anyway, let me get to the word. I want to speak to you this morning on grace and faith. And I believe there is a lot of confusion um, concerning that as believers. One of the most common questions that are asked by a believer is, what do I need to do to receive the blessing of the Lord? What do I need to do to receive the blessing of the Lord? And then it's usually followed by an explanation. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I go to church. I'm paying my tithes. Yet, I don't seem to get my prayers answered. And in that question lies the problem, actually lies the root problem, an explanation of why your prayers are not answered. And I'm going to give it to you right as it is. Many believers have fallen into the trap of linking God's response to their performance. Now think about that for a moment. As you're walking with the Lord, you're not walking perfectly with God. You're not perfect because there are things that happen. There are things that you do that you know are wrong. And sometimes uh, when it comes to receiving from the Lord, the enemy brings up a lot of things that, that have happened maybe during the course of the day that, that are not necessarily so spiritual. And you're trying to receive from the Lord, and so and now you're thinking, well, and this is the enemy putting this through your mind. How am I going to receive from the Lord? Look what happened today. And so by that I say we are linking our, our, uh, our actions to how God responds to us. John was talking about how much we need to know about what the Word of God says. There is a lack of knowledge. And the fact is that many believers do not properly, uh, uh, properly understand how grace and faith relate to each other. When you try to explain grace, it's hard to explain without involving faith. The both are linked together. They're intertwined. <clears throat> In Scripture, grace and faith are presented as such. One activates the other. We have the grace of God and then we have the faith of God that and God says that he has given every one of us believers um, not a measure of faith, but 
the measure of faith. Amen. So we have the same faith that Jesus Christ had as He walked on the earth. Amen. That same faith that was made up in the Lord Jesus Christ is the same faith that you and I have. Now that's important to know. We talk a lot about the grace of God. When we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we receive the gift of salvation. Now we know that's very basic understanding. That's just the beginning of our walk with the Lord. Receiving salvation enables one to be partakers of God's divine nature. So without salvation, you you can't even begin to walk with the Lord. You need to have a, a personal encounter with the Lord. But the real truth is this, that every single one of us has been called to an extraordinary life. The moment you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you step into extraordinary living. I hope you believe that. I really do. You're not going to live naturally, even though you are living naturally. You're going to live by another law by a different program. And that program is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. Amen. A lot of us, uh, we're walking according to our sense knowledge instead of walking according to our spirit knowledge. Amen. A lot of times we think we can figure out the Christian life uh, according to sense knowledge, and you can't do that. It's impossible. God says He's not holding any secrets from any one of us. Amen. The moment you step into the kingdom of God, praise the Lord, you begin an extraordinary life. Your spirit becomes alive and you begin to live in a different way than you lived before. Amen. Things will change. The Word guarantees it. Amen. That's right. You'll get more money in your pocket. And health will come your way. A lot of things will come your way. You say, well, that's not happening now in my life. Well, then something's wrong. Because God doesn't lie. His Word is for real. He said He has made us more than conquerors. Amen. But when we try to live this life according to our natural sense knowledge, brothers and sisters, we're not going to go anywhere as a Christian. You may be saved, but I'll tell you one thing, you'll be stuck. Listen, I fought with this for a long time in my own personal life uh, of wanting really to have a walk with God that was meaningful. Amen. Not just go through the motions. But I mean to see the power of God demonstrated. Amen. 
and to know that when I trust the Lord and know it within me in such a way that I'm not afraid or fearful to step out when God speaks. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We can live this extraordinary life because of the grace and faith that is available to us through that divine nature. You see, both grace and faith are gifts given to us from God. God gave you, it's amazing. God's grace was shed to us abroad in our hearts. And then he gives us the faith to believe. <laughs> you can't lose with the Lord. It's impossible. When God says uh, in his word, is there anything too hard for me? He means that. Amen. He means that when you and I walk with him, amen, according to our spirit knowledge, there is nothing too hard for him. When you begin to walk with him according to your sense knowledge, everything is hard. Everything is not working out. This world's not our home, praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, if God's grace is so powerful, then why are so many Christians living in defeat? If this word claims to be what it is, then why are you and I living in defeat? Why say something when really it's not happening in your life? Amen. Why believe something if you're not having, if it's not coming to pass in your life? Amen. Stop believing it. But the thing is, you see, in salvation, the wonderful grace of God, when He comes into your life, He changes something on the inside of you. Amen. You become alive within. Amen. You're no longer alive on the outside anymore, though you walk around in a physical body and people can see who you are. But you are alive now on the inside and things are going to be a lot different. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are part of a kingdom that cannot be moved. Let me take you to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Therefore, since, and I'm reading from uh, maybe a different translation than you are reading, um, <clears throat> but whatever translation you have, I have the correct translation. You may not have it. No. <laughs> Whatever translation you have, the thought is still there. Amen. And that's what I want you to see. I want you to know that you're part of a kingdom. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us hold on to what? 
Let us hold on to grace. Now listen, if you want to continue with all of your religious junk, you go right ahead. You know what I mean by religious junk? It just goes over and over in your mind, and that's as, all, that's as far as it goes. Oh, I know God can heal me. I know God can supply my need. I know God can get me a job. And you go over and over and over again in your mind, but nothing is happening. I call that religious junk. That's all it is. We're part of a kingdom, the Bible says, that cannot be shaken. Amen. And if you're going to continue with your religious junk, the Bible says that God is going to come along one day in your life and begin shaking you a little bit because He wants that stuff out of your life and only God can remove it. Amen. He says what will be shaken, as you read on in that chapter, will be shaken, but what will remain is that that is pure and holy. Amen. And whether you know it or not, my brothers and sisters, God is shaking today. He's separating, and let me put it this way, the goats from the sheep. Amen. There's a distinction, amen, that is being made by our Heavenly Father. There are those uh, who view grace as freedom to do what they want to do. And Paul had to correct some believers on that. You're talking about how wonderful this grace is. And so I can continue in my way. That grace will abound more and more. No, no, God forbid. And Paul had to correct them. Grace is not the excuse to continue on the way that you are continuing on. Grace is the power to do what you need to be doing as a believer in Christ. Amen. <clears throat> I hope you're hearing me today. Because I know these truths as they are being shared. It's going to transform your thinking. Bible tells us that the grace of God was given to us so that you and I may be more than conquerors. Amen. <clears throat> you know, when the scripture says that by his stripes we were healed, how many believe that? All right, you really believe it. I recall... Um, <clears throat> I was asked to speak <clears throat> at this at Fountain of Life uh, one Sunday morning, and I'm out in the yard working. And all of a sudden, 
my, I started losing my voice. Just like that. And I'll tell you, this was on a Wednesday. No, a Thursday, I'm sorry. It was a Thursday. <coughs> and I knew this was of the enemy. And I couldn't shake it. And my wife wanted to put me on all kind of medication, not that that's wrong. But she knew that I had to speak. So she says, go to the doctor and do this and take this. And I was actually, I didn't want to do it. But at the same time, my voice was not getting any better. It was getting worse. And Saturday night, I could hardly speak. And the enemy kept saying, you better call Pastor Graven up and tell him you're not going to be able to speak. And the battle was on. And I took a firm stand. And I said, no, in the name of Jesus. If I have to whisper behind that pulpit, I'm going to whisper. Now, if I didn't have the knowledge to, to know how to handle that, what do you think would happen? I probably would have went to the doctor and been all filled up with medication and groggy, and I probably would have canceled <coughs> the message. But it didn't go that way. Brothers and sisters, we've got to begin to realize that we're in a battle every day. Things happen strangely to us. Sometimes totally we're unaware. And you say, well, the grace of God, God knows this is happening. Listen, let me tell you something. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I really do. <clears throat> but I also believe that things happen not as a result of God allowing it. Now listen to me what I'm trying to say here. We're living in the devil's camp. Amen. Now, the enemy is not like God. He's not everywhere all the time. And I believe a lot of times that he misses hitting me and you when he should. But there are times that he hits us unaware. Amen. And it's not that God is allowing that. This is what the job of the enemy is, the, is doing. Amen. God says, now look, if the enemy attacks you, you know what to do. Amen. And sorry you if you don't know what to do. See, a lot of Christians think, well, I'm saved. Thank God. I made it to heaven. Ah, I'm not going to hell. You know, that's, a, that's carnality. And there are going to be Christians like, like that 
that are not going to be out of heaven. They're going to make it to heaven. But I'll tell you, they're going to be sorry about it. Because they're, they're going to realize they had all the authority and all the power and they had the ability to live an extraordinary life as a believer in Christ. And they walked mediocre with the Lord. God says that He has repositioned our life. Amen. We're no longer the tail. We've become the head. Amen. Have you ever seen a dog trying to chase its tail? All he does is run around in circles. And I don't want to believe, uh, and I don't want to be a believer walking with the Lord, just running around in circles. Running here and there for a blessing, for something. Uh, running to the pastor for this or for that. Uh, Listen, I know who I am in Christ. Amen. And I'm not the tail anymore. I am the head. And I'm going to take my place and my authority as a believer because of the grace of God and the faith of God that He has given me. And I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have the same Spirit the Bible says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about that for a moment. You need to know these things if you don't know them already. That same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you and I. Who are we? Amen. We're more than conquerors. Praise the Lord. We have the same faith that Jesus had. We have the same spirit that Jesus had. Amen. How much more do we need from our Heavenly Father? My brothers and sisters, God's on your side. Amen. He's not allowing bad things to happen to you. You are allowing bad things to happen to you. Amen. You say, well, no, wait a minute. I don't agree with that. I walked into my job the other day, and my boss came up to me and said, you're fired. Hand me a pink slip. God could have stopped that. Why didn't he? He knows how bad I need the job. See again. Right away we begin to lean on our natural sense knowledge. There's a difference, brothers and sisters. Peter said, look, don't think it's strange. These things happen to you. God's not out to destroy you. God has already spoken His word to you and I. 
We're more than conquerors. Amen. We have the victory, even our faith in this world. And when something like that happens, yes, it may catch you by surprise, or you may have been expecting it, I'm not sure, but it shouldn't move you at all in the things of the Lord. Amen. God has something bigger and better. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are talking about grace and faith, aren't we? Amen. And how they intertwine together. I'm going to show you exactly from Scripture. We know what the word grace means. It's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. But you know what the good news is? The good news is that it has nothing to do with you and I. Nothing at all. Brothers and sisters, grace existed before you and I ever existed. Before you and I ever came to be. Let me say this another way. Grace is God's part. Amen. Now, faith is defined as, as being a positive response to what God has already, by grace, provided. Faith is a positive response to God's grace. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided for you and I. In other words, if grace is God's part, then faith is our part. Now you've got to understand this. Turn with me to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Here's a verse that we probably have memorized and read it many of times. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. <clears throat> Grace, we'll see here, and faith work together. They must be in harmony. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, we have read that verse. I don't know how many times you have read that verse. I don't know how many times I've read that verse. But I see something new here. There's a new truth here, a very profound truth that is being declared. It says we are saved by grace through faith, not one or the other. We are saved by grace through faith, not one or the other. <clears throat> Think of it this way. Grace is what God does. Faith is what we do. Amen. It takes both together working to receive salvation. God has offered salvation. It takes us 
by faith to receive it. Amen. Now, let's say, let me say this, that if salvation was just dependent by grace alone, you know what that would mean? That everybody in our world, in our universe, would be saved. Now, think about that. If grace, if salvation was just dependent upon grace, then everybody in our universe would be saved. Do you see that? Because God's grace would be the same toward everyone. I know there's some doctrine going around stating that everyone is saved. No one's going to hell. Well, God's not willing that any of us should perish. But all come to repentance. But is everyone coming to repentance? Is everyone receiving salvation? Grace has made it available to everyone. It's available. It's here. It's yours. But it's going to take faith to receive it. Amen. Now, that's a principle you need to understand for every blessing of the Lord in your life. God has already gave you prosperity. He's already given you healing. He's already provided all your needs according to his riches in glory. Everything is provided. We need nothing more by God. So when we, and you and I go before God and we say, God, heal my body. You know what the Lord is thinking? He's scratching his head. I already gave you healing. It's there. It's yours. Take it. But the doctor told me I only got a week to live. God, you've got to do something. Oh, brothers and sisters, we're so dependent on our sense knowledge. Nothing's changing in my body. The report of the doctor hasn't changed. But God says, by my stripes, you were healed. Amen. Now, who are you going to believe? You're going to believe the doctor's report or God's report. Amen. Now, that's, listen, that doesn't happen overnight. You see, if you've been walking in carnality, as a Christian, and all of a sudden a crisis comes into your life and you want the hand of God to move, you need to know what to do, brothers and sisters. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be hard on any of us. I am trying to stir up us 
what God has given us. Amen. The gifts of God that are within us. Amen. Why let them lie dormant and never use them when they are to our availability and for us to use. Amen. God says, use them. Use them. I've given them to you. Take your authority. Amen. Take your position as a believer in Christ. Move ahead according to my word. Don't stay stuck and just think that you're safe and sound because you received salvation and nothing more is happening into your life. There's just the beginning of what God wants to do and show you great and mighty things. Hallelujah, says the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sister. God's going to bless you. <clears throat> Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. So he has already brought the gift of salvation to everyone through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 29. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so it is by our faith that what has been accomplished over 2,000 years ago that we can receive. Amen. Praise the Lord. God has done His part. It's now up to you and I to receive the truth by faith and make it a reality in your life. John 16, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, and when, now here's another verse in the Bible that is misunderstood. Jesus said, and when He has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. This verse has been misinterpreted by churches and by preachers saying that the Holy Spirit will convict you of all your sins. Again, we read that verse, and that's what it seems like it's saying. But it's not saying that at all. It says He will reprove the world of, of sin, not of sins. Now, what, 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 what is meaning? What, what is meant here? Sometimes we have the idea that the Holy Spirit was sent to us to convict us of our sins not so at all he's not here to convict us of our he is not the great convictor the bible says he is the comforter amen he was sent to comfort us not to convict us amen the only sin that he's going to convict the world of is the sin of not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because by grace, God has provided salvation to all. Amen. 
And when one rejects the grace of God, he has blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. And that Bible says that that sin cannot be forgiven in this world or the world to come. I'm telling you. People don't go to hell for committing adultery, stealing, or even murder. When we first took over the church, uh, actually, <clears throat> we moved into a new area. We were going to start a church. We had purchased a home. And my mom then had given us 40 chairs as a wedding gift. And we had this California-type home where there was, it was a big, great room, like half this size, but it was enough to hold maybe 10, 20 people comfortably. And that's where we were going to start our church, in the great room. Ten days later, I get a call from another pastor in Camden, and he says, Brother DeCicio, do you realize that there is a church only three miles from where you live? that had been praying for a pastor for 18 years? I says, I'm totally unaware of it. Was in the next town, which was only three miles, four miles apart. <clears throat> he says, look, why don't you go over there one Sunday and, you know, just look it over and see how you feel about it. Well, Two weeks went by, and my wife and I, we decided to go. So we had three children then, and they held service on Sunday afternoon. So we, we went, we walked in, and here a, was a cute little church on a country farm field. Had four pews on each side, hold 50 people. <clears throat> we walked in, and there was four people in the church. When we walked in, they thought revival was happening. <laughs> as soon as I sat down on the pew, the, the moderator then says, well, we have a special guest with us today. And I don't know how he knew that I was a pastor or anything like that. <clears throat> Maybe, you know, he was forewarned that I may be showing up. I'm not sure. But he says, he's come here to speak to us today. And I was totally unprepared to speak. Well, the four people that were there, they were in their 80s. And the person that was playing the piano, they couldn't play one note. But they were playing. <laughs> but you know, God somehow just put it in my wife and my heart. This was the place. And for the next 15 years, we were there. Pastoring. That church was knocked down. We moved into a school. We were in a school for a while, and then we put up a brand new building. And I'm going to tell you something, people. And this was my first church. And I was just learning how to walk in faith. But God says, call this church Winslow Faith, Assembly of God. And he didn't tell me all the rest that was going to happen. He just said, call that name. And then as we began to to move into a new building program, God said, now look, 
I don't want you to plead for money, one dollar. We're going to do this all by faith. This is how the Lord was dealing with me. And I, listen, I was so green. I had no experience. I didn't know what was going on except that I was trusting the Lord. And I'll tell you, it ended up that we put a building back then valued over $700,000 for $100,000. Now you figure that out. You figure it out. When you trust the Lord, you can't go wrong. When you, when you understand what the grace of God is and what is avail available to you, and you begin to apply your faith, amen, great things begin to happen, praise the Lord. God says the windows of heaven open, and He begins to pour out a blessing that you and I cannot contain. I don't know about you, but many blessings in my life were overflowing, amen. And they are still overflowing in my life. Praise the Lord. I stand before you, not that I'm a wealthy, independent man, but finances do not bother me, amen. At one time in my life, I was struggling, and I was looking for this and looking for that. But today, amen, I understand the grace of God and what is available to me and the faith that God has given me. Now God has supplied all of my needs according to His riches in glory. Praise the Lord. We don't have to walk around with our head between our legs anymore. Amen. We can walk around with our heads standing tall. Amen. We may not have no money in our pocket, but God owns our money. Amen. God supplies my needs. God works it out. Amen. God directs my path. Praise the Lord. Oh, this wonderful grace and faith that God has given us. Amen. Hallelujah. All of our sins already have been paid for. 1 Corinthians 15.3 tells us Christ died for all of our sins according to the Scriptures. Everyone. It was about a month we were in that little building. And we get a call. My wife does because, and by the way, I know there are some pastors here. <clears throat> and if you're working and pastoring at the same time, that's not wrong. You say, well, how can I give my all over to the Lord? God understands. Amen. Don't make a foolish mistake that many have. They quit their job, and they say, I'm just going to trust the Lord. And you know, you, there's an unbalance there. Believe me, I hope, you can say, I hope you can realize what I'm saying. The Apostle Paul had to work many times. It's not strange for a minister to work and pastor, amen. And God will bring the people and when it's God's time, amen, then you go full-time. Praise the Lord. Don't rush things. And I'm so glad, even though I was so green and 
and uh, not much experience in the ministry that at first I wanted to quit my job. But somehow every time I came about ready to do it, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I'm going to tell you, that's what brought us through. Yes, it was a struggle. Yes, it was. It's not easy working and pastoring at the same time. The demands of the congregation as they grow demand more from you. That's an understanding. God understands that. But I'm going to tell you, God will work it out for you. Praise the Lord. He will work it out. Don't get discouraged. Amen. The Lord has started a good work. He'll finish it. Amen. Praise His name. And so the only sin that is going to send people to hell is not because they were murderers. Oh, I meant to, let me, I meant to say we were a week, maybe two weeks in our church. My wife gets a phone call, and it's a woman on the phone and she says, do you accept murderers in your church? <laughs> you got to understand, we were just young in the ministry. And when she said that, my wife said, yes, of course. But way back then, God was preparing me for what I'm in now. And I didn't even know it. Because through that woman, we were introduced to the whole idea of the prison system. And we had to go with that woman. What had happened? I'll tell you what had happened. That woman found her husband in bed with another woman and she went and got the shotgun and while he was sleeping put a pillow over his head and pulled the shotgun with her three or four children present. You talk about a mess. She ended up in the woman's prison in Clinton, New Jersey back then, serving not a life sentence. Oh, they gave her five years. That's all she got for shooting her husband. Five years. Because she committed that murder, she's going to hell. God paid a price for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. All of our sins, all of our sins, Christ has paid a price for, except the one sin of rejecting what God has offered, His grace. That's blasphemy when someone can turn away and say, I don't need you, God. I don't need you, Jesus. I'm okay. And there are going to be people that Jesus said will walk the broad way. That the attraction of the world is just overwhelming in their life. Though. That there is nothing, not even the grace of God, that can woo them from that way. Because they're so comfortable living in the world that they're living in. But praise the Lord, aren't you glad that you're so uncomfortable living here? Amen. That something has happened, transformed you on the inside, that it doesn't matter if you have a, 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 a nice home, but just a home, amen. It doesn't matter if you have the newest car on the market, but just something to get you around, amen. 
Aren't you glad that God has curved your appetite for material things? Amen. And given you a greater hunger for spiritual things. These things that are eternal that will last forever. Jesus in chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. Let me give you the scripture of what I was saying. People will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven in this age or the one to come. God's grace provided it, not only for salvation, but God's grace provided for every need in our life. Amen. God wants you. He wants you to prosper right now, not when you get to heaven. He wants you to have the good life now. Amen. Not when you're walking the streets of glory. The moment you accept the Lord is the beginning of your walk in heaven. Amen. You may not be literally walking on the streets of gold, but in the Spirit, you're walking, amen, on a foundation that cannot be shaken. Amen. On promises that were given to you that Jesus, God Himself, will never renege. Amen. He's not a man that... He should lie, the Bible says. But He will perform what He said He will do. And amen. When you begin to believe Him and trust Him and walk with grace and faith, amen. You are walking in victory. You are more than a conqueror. You are the favorite of the Lord. You are blessed of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You see, we get confused because of our performance. We make it an issue. We think God is holding back on us. God's not holding back on you at all. There is nothing that you and I could ever do that will turn God's love away from us. It's impossible. Impossible. You say, well, you don't understand what's going in my life. I've got this problem. I've got this going on and this and that. God sees all those things. What are you going to do about it? Well, I've been praying to God about it, and God seems to be doing nothing. I wonder why. I wonder why. See, we want to put the blame on someone else rather than us. It's not God's fault why your prayers are not answered. He says he hears every prayer. Does God lie? What's going on here? It's because of our lack of knowledge and we're leaning to our own understanding and, and we're being guided by our own sense knowledge rather than what God has given us through His grace and faith. Amen. Before you ever had a financial need, God made a provision for it. Before you were sick, God through grace provided your healing. Before you ever became discouraged, Ephesians 1.3 says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. 
You see, God anticipated every need that you and I would ever have as we walk with him, and he's provided for that need. Do you believe that? Is that for real in your life? Amen. Are you going to let what you're struggling right now just overwhelm you? Or are you going to lift up your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help? Amen. Are you going to look ahead? Amen. You're not going to look right is in front of your nose. You're going to depend on what that book says and not what is happening. Amen. Brother, that's what makes us different. That's what makes us separated from the world. Amen. That divides us. Amen. That lets the world know, hey, I'm a believer because I'm alive. You're not a believer. You're dead. Amen. I'm alive. You're dead. Hallelujah. We walk around dead people all the time. Dead in their sins. That's what the Bible says. They're so overwhelmed. They have no idea of this new walk with the Lord. I'm a new creation. Amen. We're walking a different way now. We're walking to different instructions. Hallelujah. God, the Holy Spirit is in us. Amen. And when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire, amen, oh, you have a blessing, a double blessing, a double portion from the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not saying if you don't speak in tongues that you're not going to heaven, but I'll tell you, you need to know to speak in tongues. Amen. Because there's some things that only tongues can handle. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whether you accept that or not, that's your problem. But that's what the Word of God says. Amen. Praise the Lord. Paul says, I speak in tongues than, more than all of you. So can you imagine all that Paul went through, how many times he had to speak in tongues? I always wondered, Paul, how in the world could you ever, ever sing at midnight, in the deepest part of the prison, chained, no lights. How could you ever focus on, on you, on the Lord? I know he was speaking in tongues, amen. It doesn't say it, but something was happening. And he began to sing, praise the Lord, and rejoice. Amen. He forgot all about his circumstances. Amen. <laughs> Brothers, that's how we have to walk with the Lord. Our circumstances do not determine how, <clears throat> how God responds to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's grace. Amen. Am I done? I want to just say one more thing, then I'm done. Is it? All right. Can you give me five more minutes? All right. I want to. <clears throat> sometimes we think that faith moves God. Faith moves God. I used to believe that. And then I would see men how God was moving in their life, and I thought, boy, they had big faith. Look at my little bit of faith. I would compare. 
faith doesn't move God at all. He's given you that measure of faith. It's not faith that moves God. But when I begin to reach out, amen, that's what moves God. Hallelujah. When I, in my need, in my problem, in my desperation, begin to cry out to God and say, God, you are the shepherd of my life. Hallelujah. I shall not want. Amen. You make me lie down in green pastures. Oh, you restore. You're the one, Lord, that restores my soul. When you begin to reach out like that, amen, God just moves beyond measure. Amen. God is not the one that is stuck. Hallelujah. He wants to bless us. He wants to meet every one of your needs. He wants to heal your body. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you from that addiction, whatever it may be. He's not stuck. You're the one that is stuck. Amen. <clears throat> Faith doesn't make God do anything. It's grace and faith. Working together. You see, I said it in the beginning. God's part is grace. Our part is faith. Amen. So when we begin to reach out to what God has already provided, we're going to get a response. Amen. Because God's word does not lie. Hallelujah. You can stand on God's word. It will not lie to you. Amen. But here we are praying to the Lord, and all of a sudden, all this condemnation begins to overwhelm us. Everything begins to filter through our mind and make us feel not worthy and cheap. And, and why should we be asking God for this or for that? And, and, but anyway, Lord, I'm so desperate, I'm going to ask you. And really, that's all doubt. Where's the faith in that at all? Where is it? It's just all doubt. You have that attitude. Well, God, I know you can do it, but will you do it for me? Will you help me right now? And God can't move because you're stuck. God's not responsible for killing babies. He's not responsible for rape. He's not responsible for violence. He's not responsible for poverty. He's not responsible for disease. The Scriptures doesn't teach that at all. James 4, 7 says, We are re to resist the devil, and he will flee from you because He's the one who is our enemy, not God. We are to resist him. And, you know, when, when you resist something, it means to, to, to fight. That's what it means. Listen, sometimes, you're, you know, a sickness comes on your body. You've got to begin to, to fight it. Amen. 
And you fight it with the word of God. You don't fight it with your own strength. You begin to quote scripture and, and you know what the Bible says about healing it. And play, praise God, you place yourself in that position. Amen. God will handle the battle. Praise the Lord. He is in control of all your battles. And when you begin to resist the devil, you, you fight against something. You fight against sickness. Rather than to submit it. To, to simply casually say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, I resist you. That means nothing. You say, well, I'm using Jesus' name, yeah. But where is that fight in you? Where is that determination? Where is that unshakable kind of faith to know, hey, God's going to bring me through this. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what is happening in my family. I don't care about my children, uh, whether they're unsaved or not. I care uh, of the fact that the Lord's going to bring them into the house of the Lord. Amen. And you fight. You fight. You resist. Amen. It's a spiritual warfare, brothers, uh, that's what it is. And the problem is, it's not out there. The problem is between your ears. That's where the problem is. And that's where the battle is. And when you begin to fill your mind and heart, as Peter says that we are to, in 2 Peter 3.18, to grow in, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1-2, this was his prayer, that grace and peace would be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. God has done his part in giving us his Son. I close with this last illustration. There was a beggar that stopped a lawyer on the street. It was in a large southern city. And the beggar asked him for a quarter. Well, the lawyer taking a long, hard look at this fella, he was unshaven. He asked, don't I know you from somewhere? And the beggar replied, you should. I'm your former classmate. <clears throat> Remember, second floor, the old main hall, why, Sam, of course, I know you. And without hesitation, the lawyer took out his checkbook and he wrote a $100 check out to him. And he gave it to him. He says, here, take this. Get a new start on your life. I don't care what's happened in the past. <clears throat> it's the future that counts. And with that, the beggar hurried off. Well, as he was walking along, tears welled up into his eyes. And, and he came to a, to a bank. And he stopped at the door, and he looked through the glass door. And he saw all these people all dressed up in nice clothes, men's shirt and ties, and ladies well-dressed. 
And then he looked at himself and he was so unclean, unshaven. He had raggedy clothes on. He was a mess. And he started thinking to himself, now if I walk in there and try to cash this check, they're going to think that I forged the name on it. So he never went into the bank. He never cashed a check. He stuffed the check into his pocket and went on his way. It was about three days later. He was walking the same street, and the same lawyer came by. And he said, Sam, come over here. How you doing? <clears throat> and Sam said, oh, oh, I'm doing all right. Hey, what did you do with my $100 I gave you? Did you drink it up? What'd you do with it? With that, Sam pulled it out of his pocket, and it was all wrinkled up. And he said, here it is right here. Sam, you mean to tell me you didn't cash that check? He said, no, I didn't cash it. Why? And he never gave him an answer. So the lawyer said, look, Sam, what makes that check good is my signature. It's not your clothes or your appearance or how you look. What makes that check effective is the signature that is on that check. Now you go on and you go cash it. And that's how some of us are walking with the Lord. We link our performance with God's response, and we lose out. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I want to pray.